Welcome to Season 6, Episode 9 of Digital Learning Radio. In this season, we are focusing on caring enough to step in for equity, care enough to spend some time in self-work, care enough to get to know your students for who they are, care enough to consider that your efforts toward equity matter. This week on the show, our guest is Katie Patterson. Katie is the Executive Director of the Richardson Adult Literacy Center. Until recently, Katie was also a member of the Richardson ISD School Board, and she has always been very active in campus, district, and community activities. So welcome, Katie. Thank you for having me. So first, just tell us a little bit about yourself and all of your connections to education. Absolutely. So, you know, it started for me as a student in Richardson ISD. I went to Prestonwood Elementary, Westwood Junior High, graduated from Richardson High School. And so I really have a connection to the community and grew up in public education. When my husband and I had young children, we moved back to the district, and they started at Prestonwood Elementary. And I share that to say that was really my first connection as an adult to public ed. We chose Prestonwood Elementary specifically at the time, and it was at a time where many families were transferring out of Prestonwood Elementary. I didn't understand that piece. I grew to understand that people have different values and different interests and different concerns for their kids. It was a little bit frustrating because as a parent who really valued diversity and knew that that would be good for my kids, it sometimes is frustrating when you find that other people have different views. But we really leaned in at that point because we knew that what that's what was right for our kids. From there, got introduced to the Richardson Adult Literacy Center. Prestonwood is a very diverse elementary school, as you can probably tell from the comments that I've made, um, both culturally and economically. So one of our challenges at Prestonwood was having parents who spoke other languages and didn't have enough English to fully participate and engage in their children's education. I was introduced to Richardson Adult Literacy Center. At the time, was working part-time for an education research center called the Texas Schools Project at UT Dallas and was able to, to help with teaching those parents who are interested in learning English the language. To me, that was pivotal in many ways. It helped me identify and understand what it's like to be an adult or a parent who doesn't speak the language and what that world looks like. So through that experience, continue to lean into adult literacy, learning more, being really engaged and becoming a stronger advocate for parents who came from other cultures and other countries to make sure that both they and their children were able to have the opportunity that my children were able to have. Fast forward, um, became the executive director of the Richardson Adult Literacy Center, and then in 2016 was elected to the Richardson ISD School Board. That's quite a journey. So. You mentioned your values about your children attending school with um, people who maybe don't look exactly like you. So tell us a little bit about what equity looks like to you and why it's important to you. Absolutely. To me, equity uh, looks like every child having the opportunity to succeed in their educational career, regardless of their background, their parents' background, their language, their economic status, access and opportunity are available to any child and they're able to thrive in that community or in that environment. 
it's important to me because I think it should be important to anyone. It just, it seems like kind of a basic human right Mm -hmm. to be provided with a quality education. And I think for many years, especially for me growing up, you know, it's interesting. I attended Prestonwood Elementary before my kids attended Prestonwood Elementary. But Prestonwood Elementary was a very different school when I attended. It was primarily white. It was all middle to upper income. Prestonwood these days is very different. But that shouldn't, because of the difference in population, shouldn't have an impact on the type of education that's delivered. And I think it's important that we meet all students where they are and we meet their parents where they are so that everyone feels welcome and feels like they do have that equal access and that opportunity. And I'm using the word word equal access, but equal access really is an equitable conversation because to provide that equal access, different resources and different levels of resources are needed, which is where the equity piece comes in. We've talked a lot about that in a previous episode with our coworker, Beth, and we talked about accessibility and how it's so important, and that kind of just relates to what you just said. So how can educators and schools connect and be more responsive to parents who are English language learners? Great question. To me, being able to connect with parents is meeting them where they are. So if it's a family who has come from Vietnam and the parents speak Vietnamese, they don't yet speak English, it literally is figuring out how do you communicate with them in Vietnamese. And that is a challenge. Um, As a school board trustee, I know resources, especially financial resources, are limited for many public schools. But to me, that is our charge. If we truly are going to provide an environment for parents and for students to have equal access, it's about meeting them where they are. Imagine if we were to all move to Vietnam. And we have children, and we enter the school system. And when we walk in the doors, if what we hear spoken to us is Vietnamese, and the papers that were provided are in Vietnamese, and we don't yet speak Vietnamese, it's going to be a huge challenge. I may need to bring a neighbor, a friend, a relative who speaks Vietnamese to translate for me. My children will learn it quickly, and they will be able to help. But step back and let's imagine that again if when we walked into that Vietnamese school the person at the desk quickly understood that I didn't yet speak Vietnamese but I spoke English and they said to me oh hello welcome Mm -hmm. we're so glad you're here and they literally said it in English and not Vietnamese immediately it's a different Mm -hmm. community and a different environment for me um, I know that's a lot to ask. In Richardson ISD, there are 50-plus different languages spoken, and that is true for many school districts in Texas. Um, but we're lucky to have technology. We're lucky to have resources that allow us to bridge that mm-hmm. divide. And to me, that is the critical piece. I was at a workshop that National Centers for Families Learning provided, and each time you go to one of their events, they talk about language equity. So language equity is, uh, is removing that barrier of language. So in their meetings, they provide headsets, and they have translators for the languages that they know will be spoken, so that as the workshop is going on, regardless of the language that you speak, you're hearing your native language in the headset. So if the person is speaking Spanish and I don't speak Spanish, I'm hearing it in English, and then as it switches, Somebody who speaks Spanish or speaks Arabic is hearing what's Mm -hmm. being spoken in their language. And you're able to have a conversation. 
in your home language, and yet um, this technology has allowed you to connect in that way. And to me, that that is a critical piece. It's a tricky one mm-hmm. because it requires a lot of focus. It requires a lot of um, financial resource. But if we truly are going to meet parents, um, especially English language learners, um, that's a key element mm-hmm. to it. And it can be done many ways. It can be as little as many of our schools in Richardson ISD have posters that say welcome in lots of different languages. How wonderful mm-hmm. to walk in and see your language on a poster in the school office when you arrive. Um, there are opportunities when you go to um, a healthcare provider where in many different languages we'll talk about a translation service available. And so to be able to have access to that at a, at a school office or in a conference with a teacher or someone else from the school, I think just provides comfort to a parent that, yes, I know I need to learn English, but until I do, and, and by the way, that can take three to five years mm-hmm. to learn a language, there still is an opportunity for me to feel connected to my children's education in their school. As, as a digital learning person, I think one of the most exciting things that we have available to us are the, some of the translation apps. It just makes me feel so proud to be able to share those tools with teachers, and I recognize what a game changer that can be for not only kids, but for uh, their parents as well. So, Absolutely, absolutely. Well, just thinking even about the building makeup, a friend or an advocate in the counseling office do you have enough space for the extra people to sit because when you're enrolling your students you're going to have six different people in the office and just thinking about just those little accommodations that can be made like we easily have these chairs that we're going to pull in so everyone can be part of the conversation your your translator advocate can be there so absolutely and i i love the um the term language equity we've talked about racial equity and uh, LGBT equity and um, equity in leadership for people of color, but I don't know that we've really touched on language equity mm-hmm. yet. So thanks for bringing that up. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Okay, so what else have you learned, and maybe specifically from the Richardson Adult Literacy Program, could teachers actually take back to their classrooms? Um, what ideas could they use either with their students or their parents or with their teams that they're working with? A couple of things. Um, One thing that we have found with adult literacy is that our students engage and are able to learn better when the activities are um, experiential and engaging. So back in the day for me, it was a lot of sit and get Mm -hmm. as a student. What we have found through research is that that experiential learning and really bringing the student into the learning allows more learning and better learning to occur. That happens in our adult literacy classrooms. We really emphasize engaging lesson plans, incorporating activities that help reinforce concepts so that students can really use what we're we're providing them in that initial concept in an authentic way. So I think that that's important, especially when you're working with English language learners, to really provide them an authentic opportunity to learn what it is that you are teaching. Um, from an educator's perspective as teachers are working with parents and really students who are coming from another language background, I think it's important to check your language as you speak with them. So you may not speak, in our example, Vietnamese, but if you can use very simple language, in fact, you can hear as I talk, I start to slow my speech. (laughs) 
but slowing your speech, checking for learning more often than you might with a typical English-speaking student, I think is important. And recognizing that when you check for understanding in many cultures, it is important to agree with the teacher. And so when you check for understanding and they say, yes, yes, I understand, they may not understand at all. Mm -hmm. So you need to find alternate ways to check for understanding because culturally the answer may be yes, but actually the answer may be, I have no idea what it was <laughs> that you just said to me. Mm-hmm. Well, going back to the first part about just engaging lessons, that's something that's good for everyone, adult learners, students, and that's something that we're trying to emphasize here at Region 10 as well. And then the other thing that I wanted to point out is being a proud volunteer of RALC, I know one of the other tenets of the program is building community. And I think in every single episode of this podcast series, we've talked about the importance of relationships. So you want to speak a little bit about that? Absolutely. You know, and it's interesting that uh, relationships and connections are a big piece that I hear about in a variety of different places throughout our community. Mm-hmm. Um, there seems to be a real focus, which is fantastic, because I think we all have learned, and part of it has been through experience, part of it is now research-based, that being able to create a connection with someone starts first with developing that relationship. I need to get to know you before I'm going to trust you and really be able to learn from you. Mm -hmm. So in our classrooms, we really focus on that relationship building. And part of that is bringing people out of their comfort zone. So to develop relationships, I have to develop trust and I need to be around you. We need to be in proximity together. So I think in education for teachers, it's important to be in proximity with your students' families as well. So whether that's visiting them, whether that's having them to your classroom more often so they can get to know you and you can get to know them, developing that relationship is so important to then all of the other things that come after it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So for all of our listeners, again, as Nancy usually says on an episode, we're all nodding our heads (laughs) in in agreement. Yes. (laughs) Katie, we saw a quote where you said passing the district's equity, diversity, and inclusion policy was your proudest day as a board trustee. Can you tell us a little bit more about the process to create and adopt this policy? I would love to. So um, as I shared before, my background with adult literacy and with my kiddos' experience at Prestonwood had already um, created an advocate in me for our equity. When I was elected to school board, one of the first things that you do, and and really every year, uh, the Texas Association of School Boards hosts a summer leadership institute. So I went to that about a month after being elected, and one of the workshops that I was able to attend was um, facilitated by Cintos Ramos Jr., who is with the uh, Fort Worth School Board. And the, uh, the workshop was on equity and was talking about their journey in Fort Worth and really talking about what equity means from an educational perspective, but also all of, kind of touched on a number of other topics just related to equity and um, kind of truth and racial healing and transformation and all of those, those elements. So that hooked me. And I was curious to see what Fort Worth was doing because I knew that it was something that I had experienced with my kids and the schools that they had attended and with the classes and the parents that I had gotten to know through RALC. Um, So I followed them closely. And then about a year later in the fall of 2017, and I think this was mentioned in one of your other episodes, 
we had a horrible situation in Richardson ISD with the memes um, that were created by a Pierce student um, the week of the Pierce Richardson mm-hmm. football game. Um, and I'll tell you, for me, that hit home because, as I mentioned before, I had graduated from Richardson High School. That's where I met my husband. Um, and our kids at the time were at Pierce High School. So Pierce-Richardson rivalry is a real thing in our family. Mm -hmm. Um, My brother went to Pierce. um, And so when that happened, having a number of friends whose kids were at Richardson at the time sat down with them and we talked about what, why is this happening and what do we do? And one of the things that I was so proud of was that at the time, uh, Dr. Stone, our superintendent, was new on the job. Um, We had just started strategic planning. We had a strategic planning um, uh, action team that was focused on educational equity. You would think that at that point we could have said, well, we're on our way. But she didn't. So um, that incident happened on a Wednesday night, Thursday morning. There was a Council of PTAs meeting. After that meeting, Dr. Stone asked one of the um, officers if she could speak with her. This lady is a fantastic advocate for Richardson ISD, attended Richardson High School herself, is a woman of color. And as they met, Dr. Stone said, I want to hear your perspective. And this woman was very honest with her. She had grown up in the district and she said, this is not just kids being kids. This isn't an insensitive uh, situation. This is an undercurrent that has been in Richardson ISD for years, Mm -hmm. and it's something that will take courage to address, but it's something that at some point is going to need to be addressed. And so at that point, Dr. Stone um, took that in, talked to others, and realized that it really was something that we needed to take and look at in a different way in Richardson than just to say, oh, let's find a cultural um, sensitivity program for Mm -hmm. the kids at Pierce High School and and all will be well. So from there, the education or the Equity Council was born. From there, we had some serious conversations at the board table. One of the things that I said was that if we truly want diversity in our school district, in addition to it being part of the courses that we teach and the activities that we provide, it has to permeate every element of our district and that includes at the board table. And at that point decided in my mind I would not run for school board again when I came up for my reelection, although that was a little ways away. But to me, I was passionate about making sure that we brought equity to Richardson. Mm -hmm. And to me, part of that is at the board table as well. So we continue to work towards that. Um, I think the educational equity action team was fantastic in being able to look at a number of areas that were important to focus on immediately. That's where our A schools came from. That's where we really started talking about pre-K for all, literacy and balanced literacy. So a number of topics, cultural competency, which I think Jeremy Jewett talked about for a bit as well. So those were already kind of in the works, but then we really started with the equity council looking at an equity policy. And so that started to happen in, um, I guess it was the fall of 2018, and started to look nationally because, as you well know, there aren't a lot of equity policies that have been passed in the state of Texas. Although we have more than a 1,000 school districts, there are very few who have at this point passed an equity policy. So we needed to broaden our search as we looked for examples of what that would look like. And because of that, really we're able to figure out 
what a comprehensive equity policy would look like, the different areas that we needed to include and needed to address. And then finally worked with uh, a woman from the National Association of School Boards who was focused on equity, diversity, and inclusion and asked her to help us lean into that work. So to me, it was important that as we did that work, we were bringing in the community, we had staff, we had parents, and we had students that were all part of that year-long work towards what would our equity policy look like, what needs to be included. A lot of long, hard meetings and long, hard discussions. But in the end, as you mentioned, my proudest moment by far serving on school board was passing that policy in June of this year. So sometimes we nod our head. I was like actually cheering for you (laughs) inside my head. Mm -hmm. I'm curious, like when you started looking at those policies, what, was there something in any of them that surprised you or that maybe you hadn't thought about before? Absolutely. You know, it was interesting in reading the policies because some policies are very warm and fuzzy. And so when you read them, you think, oh, yes, that's so nice. But then when you think about implementation, you wonder, how do you implement and how do you administer that particular policy? So for us, as we were looking at the different areas Um, Some of the key areas were things that we were already working on, as I mentioned. Hiring was a big piece of it. Hiring, recruitment, and retention are key. Another area was cultural competency and looking at curriculum to make sure that curriculum reflects the students that are receiving the curriculum. So those pieces were ones that we knew of and that were important. There was a lot of focus, uh, focus on creating welcoming communities. Again, I think that's important obviously I think it's a little bit harder to administer when you have a policy that talks about we will be a welcoming place because my definition of welcoming and your definition of welcoming may be different and so there's some conversation that needs to happen around that so I think that was the most surprising piece to me was that although all equity policies have the same end in mind how they explain that and the elements that they incorporate into an equity policy can sometimes be very different. When we were crafting the policy for Richardson ISD, um, it was important to us that it be comprehensive, but it was also important to us that um, we were able to stand behind it and really put the pieces in place that would provide firm direction to all staff and that parents and community members could understand and be able to recognize as, yes, that is the equity policy in action, or, oh, that is not the equity policy in action, and therefore we need to readjust or recalibrate. Well, and we've talked before on this episode about a piece of work from, was it ASCD? That, learning, that, forward. learning Forward. that has, you know, things of importance in equity include actions, beliefs, and systems. And I think that what you're doing with the system work is so important because an individual teacher can have beliefs and an individual teacher can take certain actions. But until you have that system level support and mandate that this is going to happen, I think it makes it a lot like practically impossible to to have that as a widespread kind of thing instead of just a, oh, I got lucky this year and I had a teacher who, you know, was kind of like knew something about that equity thing. So are there other things that maybe community members can do to step in for more diversity in organizations and teams? Absolutely. You know, we are lucky in Dallas that there is a lot of conversation around equity, diversity, and inclusion right now. There is an organization, uh, Dallas Truth, Racial Healing, and Transformation, who is doing a lot of that work, um, and they are offering a lot of different 
workshops, seminars, events that people can attend. So I would encourage um, listeners to go and find their website and to subscribe to their e-newsletter because I think that there is a lot that they offer. Reaching out to others in your community, if, if you look around the table and find that whether it's your organization, it's a social organization, it's a professional organization, it is a workplace, if you don't see diversity at the table, you need to speak up. Um, I was just at an organizational leadership meeting a couple of days ago for another group that I'm a part of, and we were talking about improvements and what can we do to make this organization better. And as I sat there, um, it was probably an hour in before anyone was ready to say, let's look around the table, we are all the same. For us to make this organization better, we've got to have a concerted effort to diversify and to be more inclusive of others and really reach out. It is not an easy thing. So um, I think anyone who's a part of equity work will tell you that you really have to be ready to do the work and you really have to be ready for the heavy lifting. And, and intentionality, I know that, like, for me, I feel like it was, I once was blind, but now I see. But, you know, for a while, especially as a white person, you you don't pay any attention to the fact that everybody in an organization looks like you. So to make that conscious choice, now everywhere I go, I notice mm-hmm. it. And I think, like, there's something wrong with that meeting because there's no, very few people of color in that meeting or there are very few women or whatever it is. But... Um, I think the the first step for me anyway was just noticing and then being intentional about how you address those issues. Absolutely. And the other thing I would say too is that you also have to be courageous. Mm-hmm. Many of us will notice that a room is not diverse, but few of us will speak up and say something, especially if you're a white person, because you're coming from a point of privilege, you're coming from a point of comfort. Whether you say something or not, your world does not really change. To me, it is your obligation as a human to say something and to say it in a way that is respectful, that is appropriate, but that incites action. And you will likely need to be part of that action because in all that we do, action speaks louder than words. So it is, it's fantastic if you are, and when you are courageous to speak about the lack of diversity or inclusiveness in a particular organization or group, but you also need to be ready to follow it up with action and to help be part of that solution of how do we create a better community and a more diverse and inclusive community for this particular group or organization. Well, yes, absolutely. (laughs) So now I'm doing cartwheels inside my head. (laughs) And I, Misty and I had that exact experience this week and I w- wanted to say, okay, we need to invite someone to this meeting who doesn't look like us. And I just had this crazy dialogue in my head. Like, I can't believe I'm about to say this, but here it goes. And we had one teacher of color in the room. And I said, we need to bring others to this meeting that don't look like this. We do not have enough color. This meeting does not reflect the demographics of our schools. And inside, I was like, I can't believe I said that. I can't. And then I knew that even six months ago, that would not have come out of my mouth (laughs) and so but even being a person on the sideline kind of watching the audience everybody look kind of looks you know side-eyed and it was this realization like oh I didn't realize you know and I thought that was so eye-opening 
for everybody in the room just to know you know like is this the first time you thought you've thought of this and for some people I really think it was absolutely and you know the thing that I think to follow that is um helping those people to Mm -hmm. see I think earlier Nancy said at one point I was blind and now I see that is a point for any person who comes from a a, Mm -hmm. a point of privilege which are any which is anyone who is white to then call on and have connections to where you can invite others to be a part of the conversation who come from a different background, that that is a challenge as well. Because I'll tell you, if you grew up in North Dallas, odds are you didn't have a lot of friends who were of other color, right? And so you've got to be intentional about where you're socializing, where you're interacting, who you're making friends with. I mean, that sounds very basic but it's so important Mm -hmm. and it's one of the things that I've done over the years I mean check your Facebook feed look at all the pictures on your Facebook feed and if you don't have a lot of diversity in your Facebook feed that's just an indication that maybe you need to be stepping into other places other communities other organizations that will allow you to have a more diverse friend group Mm -hmm. and it's hard to say because when you say it you think oh my gosh, I, I feel so bad and guilty that this is my Facebook feed or this is my group of friends as I go to create an invite for a party and I'm looking and realizing that everybody I'm inviting is the same as me. But that recognition is important. But then again, you've got to follow it with action. Mm-hmm. And as you call on friends of color to be part of organizations, know that there's a lot of stress on them because odds are they're being called on by a lot of groups to be involved and they want to be and they are proud to represent and reflect their culture or their ethnicity. But you also need to make sure that you're asking them for other reasons. Mm -hmm. So just because I have a friend who is Latino doesn't mean that they're going to be a great fit for whatever the group or organization mm-hmm. is because they may not have that background in that topic. Now, if there's an opportunity to ramp up to that education and be a part of that conversation, still fantastic. But I think it's important to be intentional about um, when we include people and how we include people and that we're sensitive to the fact that some people are spread really thin. Yeah. And so the more we can widen our circles of network and connection, the better it is for everyone. Mm -hmm. And and that goes back to who we hire and how we're hiring and how we're, you know, teacher retention. Because if we look at the educator workforce, it's primarily white. Yep. And so figuring out where do you reach out to find fantastic candidates Mm -hmm. of color. Um, I was really proud of Richardson ISD that last year they made some strategic changes in their recruitment efforts. Mm -hmm. And they looked not only at HBCUs um, and Hispanic-serving institutions, but they looked at which ones are um, have strong education programs and colleges of ed that have a large quantity of teachers coming out of those programs because those were great places to go to recruit. And then they came up with kind of a... A, a, a kind of a top uh, priority of who are we really going after to really make sure that we're making a difference when it comes to diversity and hiring. So it sounds like you've done a lot already, but what are your plans for continuing your journey with your understanding of equity, diversity, and inclusion? 
That's a, a great question because, you know, I've just rolled off Richardson ISD School Board. We'll continue to do the work through the Richardson Adult Literacy Center, and that has become an area um, that allows me to share my thoughts, to get to know adults who have come to our community from other languages and other countries and help them get involved. So that's a one piece of it is really to continue to connect with our students and as they learn the language and even as they're learning the language, helping them better connect to our community and to their communities where they live. So that's a piece of it. And then the other piece is kind of just trying to figure out what the next step is for myself. I have told people for years, one of the things that's at the top of my bucket list is to be a teacher myself. Um, so I don't know when that will happen, but as I'm able to enter the educational system as a teacher and as an educator, I think that will provide me some opportunity as well to um, have some influence and to help others. Yeah, definitely. Well, anyone would be just wonderful. I mean, it would be wonderful to have you on a campus. So, <laughs> well, is there anything that we did not ask that you would like to share or any other resources or ways that we can step in to um help with our understanding of equity there isn't anything specifically that comes to mind the one thing that I guess I would close with is that we can all be a part of this work as someone is listening to this podcast and they they might go and check their Facebook feed to see what that looks like they might be at a meeting and they might look around to see who's sitting at the table if you see it then RISD's hashtag this year is uh, RISD say something and I think that's important so I would challenge anyone who sees that the area or the community or the group that they're involved with is not diverse does not seem inclusive to take that step and to speak to it to lean in to be able to speak to it but then also be ready to follow it with action to be a part of that change because by doing that, you will make that place and that group a better place for all. Absolutely. Thank you. This season, we're inspired by one of Maya Angelou's quotes, do the best you can until you know better. Then when you know better, you do better. So thank you so much, Katie, for being here, for helping us know better and inspiring us to do better. Thank you for having me. If others want to follow up and connect with you, what's the best way for them to find you? A uh, number of different ways. So I am on Twitter, Hook'em Katie, right. to my Longhorn roots. Um, <laughs> but also happy for folks to email me. So my email address at the Literacy Center is director at ralc.org. Happy for folks to shoot me an email. I'd be happy to get together for coffee or other conversation. Okay, thanks. So thank you all for joining us today. We hope you will continue these conversations with a colleague, share this episode with a friend, and reflect on your own beliefs. Continue to diversify your feed, explore the works shared, and check out the show notes for additional ref resources we refer to today. If you want to continue the conversations or if you have additional questions or feedback, find us on Twitter at Dig Learn Radio. So thanks again, Katie. Thank you.